Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts the nation, but sins are reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Oh God Remian, the show whose host, if he only sounded as good as he looked. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029, preferably text, but uh, I will talk to you if uh, time permits. <laughs> if you want to reach me by email, you can reach me at bf at bromfrench.com. And uh, shoot me an email, shoot me a text. It would be great to hear from you. Some of you have also reached me by Facebook, and uh, I appreciate it. So I am now in West Virginia. And I, as I was driving here, I think it was from Tennessee, I was on the phone talking. Oh, and I know, heaven forbid, driving and talking on the phone. But I was talking to a friend back home in Texas, and we're having a conversation about the number of people that are presently working for the government, or at least the best numbers that we could find. And he began to look them up and then sent me to the right site to be able to, Brother Brad, Brad is his name, sent me to the right site to begin to extract some of these numbers. Check this out. These are some amazing figures that I found. The total number of people working for the government, whether it be federal, state, or local, is 21,831,255. Now, that's just shy of 22 million people. Now, before we go further, let me explain to you, I do believe we do, and this is not counting military. Okay, military is not counted in these numbers. I will tell you, I do believe we need some of these people. We do need police at some level. We do need firefighters. We do need our roads done. There are some essential needs. But does that equate 22 million? Well, maybe not. <laughs> so let's look at some other numbers because then all of a sudden, the numbers begin to speak for themselves and they start to yell at you, if you will. So let's get into this. The number of Americans without a job is 9.75 million. So just under 10 million people don't have a job. Okay, the number of people not in the workforce so <laughs> somehow they've tried to separate these two. But the number of people not in the workforce is 92.2 million. So we've got 10 million that don't have jobs and we have 92 million that aren't even looking or something like that, if you will. So that gives us a total of 101.77 million or 102 million people that do not have jobs. So we've got 22 million that work for the government. We've got 102 million that don't work for anybody. And then we've got on welfare is 109.6 million. 109.6 million, uh, so we can say 110 million to give you the percentage. That is 35.4 
percent of the populace of us that do not or excuse me that do receive government assistance that are on welfare now this is interesting how many then people how many then is the number what's the number of the people that then have jobs and are working oh crazy number i know it's got to be astronomical in order to support all of this no it's 122.3 million people have jobs not and uh, are people working now 122 million but we can take out from that we can extract 22 million because 22 million of them are working for the government i hope you're getting this so we've got 122 million people that are working but 22 million of them are working for the government now the government does not now they print money but they do not make money they print it but money is the evidence of goods and services rendered and so then you know you don't believe me go get your car registered and tell me whether or not they're really working <laughs> go to the post office and wait in line and tell me whether or not they're working now please don't misunderstand me i'm really not trying to insult the people that are working for this for these different institutions or for the government but what i'm getting at is the government does not really produce anything it's the private sector that produces and so if it's a private sector that produces that means that we really only have 100 million people working in the production part of our society so let's let's run up the numbers then so we've got 101 million or 102 million that are working or that are receiving or don't have jobs if you will we got 102 million that don't have jobs we got 22 million that are working for the government that gives us a total of 123 to 124 million people and how many people are pulling the wagon you guessed it 100 million people are pulling the wagon for the rest of whether it be government federal state and local or it be the unemployed or those on welfare ironically the welfare rolls are 110 million but the number of people with uh without jobs and and so on and so forth is 101 million so there's about an 8 million difference what that means is there are some people that have jobs but simply are not making enough according to the government and so then they are receiving assistance so 100 million of us are pulling the weight for 300 million of us can i tell you is it okay if i'm just honest this can't go on forever it cannot last forever this is one of the reasons our nation is in trouble this is also one of the reasons we continue to put people into power that we say or that will say we'll give you more the biggest union in america is the union for government employees bigger than any other union this is one of the reasons again why we're seeing a government that's constantly saying let me give you something let me give you something there's got to be somebody to produce 
but that number is getting smaller and smaller and the produ production is getting less and less while government and those living off of the government continue to grow and grow. Please don't misunderstand me. I do not mean to say that everybody working for the government is scum. I don't mean to say that at all. Now, I will tell you some of them let power go to their heads. But there are some things we need from the government. There are some things the government is set up to do, and that's their purpose. But why do we need to study why ketchup does not flow fast? <laughs> why do we need to study to see if we can turn all our bathrooms into transsexual bathrooms so that uh, transvestite can use either or? Why do we need to spend this time, this money? Why? So on and so forth. I, th I think you're getting the point. I'll tell you what, let me uh, take a break. And uh, when I, oh, you know what? No, 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 no. What's that sound that I hear? There it is, the collision of Christianity and Islam. The crash, the wreck, the disgrace that is Chrislam. <laughs> we are going through the Quran, which is amazing. Every time I read to do a little studying for the show, I am set back at how absurd this doctrine really is. It truly is a doctrine of devils. So we're going to look at it. We are in the cow. That's the second chapter. Uh, and we're looking at verse 22. This is what it says. Who hath made the earth a resting place for you, and the sky as a canopy, and set down water, rain from the sky, and brought forth therewith fruits as a provision for you. Then do not set up rivals unto Allah in worship, while you know that he alone has the right to be worshipped. And if you, Arab pagans, Jews, and Christians, are in doubt concerning that which we have sent down, i.e. the Quran, to our slave Muhammad, then produce a chapter of the like thereof and call your witnesses, supporters and helpers, besides Allah, if you are truthful. But if you do not do it, and you can never do it, then fear the fire of hell, whose fuel is men and stones, prepared for the disbelievers, and give glad tidings to those who believe and do righteous good deeds, that for them will be gardens under which rivers flow, paradise. Every time they will be provided with a fruit therefrom, they will say, this is what we were provided with before, and they will be given things in resemblance, i.e., in the same form but different taste, and they shall have therein purified mates or wives, having no menses or menstrual cycles, stools or urine, and they will abide therein forever." Wow! So now, if you've paid any attention to Islam, especially in the last while, you recognize the virgins, the 77 virgins, or whatever the number is. This is it. This is it. This is a part or the, the beginning to lay the groundwork of this belief. So we're going to look at it again. Does this correlate with Christianity? Is there any resemblance to Christianity in this? We're going to go through it again, or we're going to see Verse 22, who is made, so they're talking about this is supposed to be Allah. They say, Allah has made the earth and a resting place for you. Allah has made the sky. He's made it as a canopy, and he set down rain for you. He, from the sky, he's brought forth fruits and provision for you. Then do not set up rivals unto Allah. Okay, so don't worship any other god other than Allah. Well, I, I recognize Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New Testament. He is uh, very similar. 
He doesn't want us worshiping any other God. Now, but it's not the same God. Allah is not Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New. And again, it's going to be made manifest very shortly. Don't make them and don't make them to worship them. And if you Arab pagans, Jews and Christians. Okay, so now he's getting to some of us Judeo-Christians. If you Judeo-Christians are in doubt concerning that which we have sent down, which is the Quran. So if you're in doubt of what I'm telling you, if you're in doubt of the Quran to our slave Muhammad, then produce a chapter, write a chapter, if you will, or the like thereof, and call your witnesses besides Allah if you are truthful. <laughs> this is crazy. What they're trying to do is, if this is wrong, then come out, speak out, so that we can kill you. That is about the only text, the only way you can look at it. Because if there's anybody else in that, we're going to kill you. And so come out and tell us so that we can. <laughs> These people are nuts. It says, then produce a chapter of the like thereof and call your witnesses, your supporters and your helpers besides Allah, if you are truthful. So if you're going to be honest and you disagree with this, you need to speak up and, and come to us and tell us why this is wrong. And I, I'm totally for that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I'm doing it in this podcast. I'm going to tell you Muslims over and over and over again, your doctrine is of devils because Jesus Christ is the only one true God. As a matter of fact, Jehovah in the Old Testament, it's the same God. They may, Jews may not know his name, but it's the same God. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Islam, Chrislam is a doctrine of devils. So let's go on. But if you do not do it, and you can never do it, then fear the fire, the hell, whose fuel is men and stones prepared for the disbelievers. So you see the connotation here. When the Bible talks about hell, and it talks about people going there, it is always from a level of compassion. Hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. It wasn't saying, hey, you're all going. It's saying, please don't go. Uh, the Bible talks about the Lord taking fiery vengeance on those that oppose him, if you will. But he's not saying, hey, I'm looking to get you. That's totally contrary to the nature of God. But it is exactly the nature of Allah. We need to remember this. Verse number 25 is crazy. This one is just crazy. All right, let me back up. Let me stay on 24 for just a second, okay? So if you don't, and you never can, you know, um, write this chapter or dispute us, because we'll kill you, then uh, if you don't, because you can't, then uh, you need to fear hell, whose fuel is men and stones prepared for the disbelievers. So hell, get this, is fueled with men. So... Uh, again, that men dying, going to hell is what keeps the fire burning, I guess is what they're trying to say. Let's go on to verse number 25. And give glad tidings to those who believe and do righteous good deeds, that for them with gardens under which rivers flow, paradise, every time they will be provided with a fruit therefrom, they will say, this is what we were provided with before. And they will be given things in resemblance. So you're going to be giving something that's like it, but it's not really yet. It's in resemblance, but it's not really what you think it is. 
<laughs> my first thought that comes to mind is maybe they are given Bruce Jenner. You know, he's in the likeness, he's in the resemblance of a woman, um, but far from it. So, <laughs> in the same but different taste, in the same form but different taste. Yeah, that's definitely uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Same form but totally different taste. Um, it makes it taste like throw up in your mouth, but that's something different. Okay, <laughs> and they shall have therein purified mates or wives. Now check that out. We'll stop here for just a second. Purified mates or wives. Why does it say that? You never read where the Lord talks about mates and not wives. As a matter of fact, the Lord, is, he made Adam and he made Eve from the rib of Adam and it became his helpmate, his wife. It was always his wife. From that point forward, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto a wife. It's always a wife. But here, it doesn't say that. Purified mates, it's plural, or wives. So either I can just sleep with you, or yeah, if I feel like it and you're extra special good to me, maybe I'll marry you. This is nothing but perversion. And if it's all right, any woman that's dumb enough to accept this doctrine any woman dumb enough to accept this doctrine needs all the prayers she can get. And those born into it, oh, heaven help us. This is one of the reasons I don't understand people. People here in America clamoring for Islam to come here, especially women. Anybody that respects women would hate this doctrine. You don't have a choice. You would hate it. And so you're going to get purified mates or wives having no menses so that no menstrual cycle no stools so they don't go to the bathroom basically or urine so they're they're never using the facilities so they don't need the transgender bathroom so i guess that that's got to be a plus because bruce jenner is the one that's got the resemblance and uh, but it's even better because you're gonna have bruce jenner and he doesn't have to use the transvestite bathroom so, so you know, you got that going for you, I guess. And they will abide therein forever. <clears throat> and so once you get to paradise, you're going to get these mates, these wives. Now, how are you going to get there? Well, you could fly some tower, some planes into towers. You could strap a bomb onto yourself and kill people. You can kill people that don't believe in Allah as strongly as you do. Even if you live a wicked life, but you take some people out, you're good to go. This, my friends, is nothing but a doctrine of devils. This is one of the reasons we need to know what the Bible says. Because the Bible is our light and our hope. Tell you what, let me uh, take a break. And when I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. And we are back. 
and we were about to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. We're in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37, verse number 12. We're going to try to make it all the way down to verse number 18. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 12, the Bible says this, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And certain men found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. What amazing passage and what similitude to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sent by his father to his brethren. And what did his brethren do? His brethren slayed him. <laughs> Just amazing parallel. But we're going to go back. Let's look at verse number four. Or excuse me, verse number 12. And his brethren went to feed. Now, I tell you what, let me back up a little bit. Remember that Joseph has a special relationship with his father that his brethren are envious of. His his father has given him the coat of many colors. Joseph has also had dreams. He's had dreams where stars, 11 stars were bowing to him, where uh, the, the crops were bowing to him. And so there is a there is envy from his brethren, from his brothers. We'll pick up at verse 12 again. His brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Israel says to Joseph, "What are, uh, your brother, brethren are feeding flock and go. <laughs> he sends them out to go after them. And verse 14 says, and he said, go, I pray thee, see whether it may be well with thy brethren. See if your brothers are doing okay. See if the flocks are doing well. Make sure everything is okay. And a certain man found him, verse 15. A certain man found him wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? He was sent by his father on a mission. But when he got to where he thought the mission was, it was not the mission. Sometimes you and I get sent by the father on a mission to do something. And we've, we do what we know, but when we get where we thought it should be, we find that it's nowhere around. That's not really what the mission was. Nevertheless, if we continue and just keep, God's going to make sure somebody comes around. Something's going to happen to trigger, to set us on the right course. What's important is that we obeyed the voice of the Father. This is exactly what Joseph did. Joseph has obeyed the voice of the Father. And in obeying the voice of the Father, now he's lost. He's going around in circles. He doesn't know where he is. He's in the middle of the wilderness. He can't find what he's looking for. But because he's obeyed the voice of the Father, there is a man there that will set him straight on the right course. Some of us are on a journey that the God of all eternity has set us on. 
He has set course for our lives and we're on the journey, but we find ourselves wondering and wondering where are we going and what is the point of all this? Don't worry. God's going to send somebody. He's going to send somebody to give us the word that we need to hear. And so now he's gotten the word. The man says, hey, man, uh, what are you looking for? You're wandering around aimlessly. What is it that you're seeking? Verse number 16, he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. I'm seeking for what my father has sent me for. That's what I'm seeking. He never lost sight. He might have been wandering in the wilderness. He might have been lost, but he never lost sight of his purpose. The Father sent me to find my brethren. That's my purpose. I may be lost. I I may be wandering in the wilderness, but I'm not finished yet. I know my Father sent me for a purpose. Some of us, we may not have seen the purpose yet, but we know we've been sent on it. We may be wondering. We, we may be wandering, if you will, looking for where am I supposed to go? Just recognize if the Father sent you on the purpose, you keep that purpose logged in your mind. He will bring it to pass. He will send somebody to you to give you the direction and the guidance. God's very good like that. The Father won't send you without making sure there's provision enough to, for you to accomplish what he sent you out to do. So he says, I'm looking for my brethren. I'm wondering here. <laughs> uh, they feed my fl- they're feeding the flocks. The man says, verse 17, they are departed from thence. And I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. He was wandering in the wilderness long enough. But when he heard that his brethren were somewhere else, that was, dad didn't send him just to go wandering looking for them. He sent them to go, he sent Joseph to go find them. And so when he understood where the purpose was, he knew the purpose, he just didn't know where it was. When he found out where the purpose was, he went after it. Some of us, we find out where the purpose is, and we still continue to wander around the same wilderness. And we're complaining and we're moaning and we're griping because that nothing's going to coming together. The puzzle pieces still aren't fitting. But because we've spent so much time in the wilderness, we're not going after the purpose. We know the purpose. We don't see the purpose, but we're told where the purpose is, and we still wander in the same wilderness, seeking for it. So let's go on. (coughs) Excuse me. Let's go on. He says, "They're, they're over in Dothan. And when they saw him, verse 18, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. When they saw him coming from a distance, this is not the father and the prodigal son. <laughs> this, as a matter of fact, is the exact opposite. This is the older brethren killing the prodigal that the father has sent out. Prodigal is really not the right word in this story, but killing the one that father has sent recognize if you've been sent by the Father, there are going to be people that are envious against you. There are going to be people that are angry with you. There are going to be people that distrust you, that dislike you. There are going to be people that are going to want to slay you. And sometimes it will even be your own family. Sometimes it will be your own brethren. But if you've been sent by your Father on a mission, you go with everything you've got. That purpose that the Father called you to is of utmost importance. They thought 
that it was over for Joseph. But God had greater plans in store. God had something better in mind. Just like Jesus, he was sent by the Father. He was sent by the Father and wandered in the wilderness <laughs> for 40 days. Wandered in the wilderness. Tempted by Satan three times, at least. And we see that by the end, he found the purpose. But the purpose was to be betrayed by his brethren, just like Joseph. He was betrayed by his brethren, but unlike Joseph, they killed Jesus. We're going to get to that next time around. They don't actually kill Joseph, but they did kill Jesus. Huh. But you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> so three days later, he rose. The Bible says that he raised himself from the dead. So you and I, what makes us think that we are any different? If we've been called by the Father, if we've been called by God Almighty, what makes us think we won't spend time in the desert or in the wilderness? What makes us think that we won't spend time wandering around looking for where to go? What makes us think that when we finally see the purpose, the very purpose that we've gone after, the very purpose that the Father sent us, what makes us think that that purpose won't destroy us and won't kill us? Nonetheless, I would rather serve my Father and do the purpose He sent me to do and go after that purpose and die than live a miserable life having never attained what he called me to attain. I would much rather suffer at the hands of my brethren doing what God called me to do than live a thousand years in misery for disobedience. Tell you what, I'm seeing I'm running out of time, so we will talk to you later.